Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And uh, as you're opening up there, let me just mention a word um, about tonight. We have a special night tonight. We have a First Baptist Coffee House this evening. Um, we wanted desperately to connect with our friends, the Fairchilds, who are some of our mission partners in Honduras. And the best time we could connect with them was this very evening at uh, 6 o'clock. There'll be free coffee and dessert, and Lydia will be sh- with them, and they'll be sharing about the missions that we do in Honduras. So I would strongly encourage you to come tonight for our First Baptist Coffee House. It'll be right underneath here in Fellowship Hall, and so we hope you'll make plans to be here uh, tonight for that. If you have your Bibles open there to John chapter 1, uh, stand with me, please, out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself speaking to us, beginning in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, I ask you if you would open our hearts and minds this morning to receive your word. In fact, Father, not only your written word, but the word himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. And oh God, I pray that by your spirit we would draw near to you today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes in this world it feels like the darkness can be overwhelming. Feels like everywhere we turn, we're getting some fresh news of the darkness of the world. In fact, over the past several years, I've noticed and seen a sense or a spirit maybe of fear and even worry begin to take hold in people's hearts, even Christian people's hearts. We've developed a sense of anxiety and apprehension over almost everything. It just feels like there's a regular sense of dread and fear and worry, and as if that weren't already bad enough over the last two years, understandably, we've seen an explosion of fear and anxiety grip the world. It's been a difficult two years. Many of us are still fearful and worried. It feels like just as soon as we start to feel like things are getting back to normal a little bit, here comes another Greek letter of the alphabet in the news. We start thinking about it again. I would be lying if I said that I have not experienced it myself. If I've not thought regularly about what pastoring will look like in 20 years or what my children's lives will look like in 20 years or what the future holds in the next 10, 15, 20 years. I'd be lying if I, would, if I said I have not experienced it myself. But this Christmas, I, as we feel ourselves maybe even hemmed in by darkness, I hope we'll look to Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the the one light who is shining in the darkness. Let's look to Jesus in the midst 
of the darkness, and there I believe we will find hope. It's no mistake that each Christmas we light candles. Hope and others. Eventually we light the Christ candle. It's a picture of what was coming into the world at Christmas time. By Christmas Eve, we'll feel the darkness in the room. And the next thing you know, from that Christ candle, the light will spread through the room and we'll have an experience. We'll get to see with our own eyes a picture of what Jesus has done and offered to the world. But This morning, as we kick off this series, as, as our choir in a few weeks is going to sing about the light of the world, I thought it would be fitting for us to preach through John's Gospel's prologue during this season of Advent as we think about the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. This morning, in this particular sermon, in this particular five verses, I hope to show you three truths about who Jesus is, despite the fact the world is dark. I hope and pray that you'll look to Jesus and fix your eyes on Jesus during this Advent season, even as fear and anxiety seem to reign. I hope as Christians we can be a people of hope because we are looking at the light of the world. Three truths this morning. Here's the first. Be stunned. I hope you'll be stunned by the glory of of our triune God. That's a really theological sentence. I understand that. I wanted it to be like that. I I want you to feel the weight of who God is and what John is saying. I, I hope as you look at this, as you see the darkness around us, I hope you'll see the light of Christ shining in the glory of our great God who is three persons, the one essence. Here, Notice what the Bible says in verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. There's no controversy up until this point. There's nothing to be said that almost anyone ever would agree with. Both Jew and Greek would agree with something like this sentence, that there has been the Word forever. Jews would argue that God has spoken, and that God is represented by His speech in the law, in the Old Testament. Greeks certainly believed there was some founding principle of the universe, some underlying hidden principle, not a person, but a reason which made sense of the world. Jews used the same word as Greeks did in the Old Testament translation in Greek. It's the word logos or logos. It's the very word that John uses here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. But John says something that rocked the world to its core when we learned that this was the truth. It's that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is where all of our human categories start to melt down a little bit. And I don't know if you've ever tried to explain the Trinity to a five-year-old. But if you haven't, try it this afternoon, and all your categories will melt into nothing you'll realize, you'll start to get a glimpse of the glory of our triune God, our God who is three persons with one essence. You see, in the beginning, John says, you see echoes of creation here. Haven't you heard those three words put together before? Genesis chapter 1, like John chapter 1, begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here John says, in the beginning, was the Word. Here he is identifying this Word, this 
Logos, this person with eternity past. He was in the beginning with God. This is a picture not only of Christ as the agent of creation, but also the eternality of the second person of the Trinity, of the Word of God, of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. This is a reflection of how the earliest Christians came to understand Christ. He wasn't the impersonal force of reason that made sense of the world in the Greek mind. And he wasn't simply the word of the Old Testament, the speech and self-revelation of God, or, or even the wisdom of God that's personified throughout the Old Testament either. That he was not merely those things. This is the word of God, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Christ, the one through whom the world was made, not only a revelation of God, but the very picture of who God is. When we look at Jesus, we see God. He is the Word of God, the Son of God. He is Jesus Christ. That's what John is trying to help us see, that the Word was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. This is an essential understanding of what it means for God to be triune, for God to be three. The person of the Word was with God, and that means then that He could have a relationship with God. There were two persons there, John is saying. In fact, there were three, as we know from elsewhere in the Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each with their own distinct and unique personalities. Each with perfect relationship and union with one another. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. There was perfect love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for all eternity past. There's nothing lacking in God. God didn't need anything else. God's perfect in Himself. He has perfect relationships in Himself. Perfect love in Himself. The Word was with God. And yet, something amazing is said here. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Baffles the mind. To consider the fact that these three persons, that at least these two persons in John's text here, the Father and the Son, could be separate in personhood, two different persons, and yet united in essence. For the word to simply be God is a stunning fact, something that blows the mind and something that Christians have struggled with now for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to try to reckon with this reality. While he was with God, he was nonetheless God. And here we have in this prologue to John's Gospel, as he begins to explain to us the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, here we have some of the most precious ingredients of the doctrine of the Trinity, what it means for God to be three and one. And here's where we are. Right now, a million things are on your mind. I know, I know. A million things are on your mind. Some of you may have to work later today. Some of you... Are thinking about Christmas shopping. So hectic to figure those things out. Some of you may even be thinking about whether there will be a Christmas this year because of the circumstances and challenges that you found. Will I have the means to provide my family with what I wish I could provide them with? Others of you are wrestling with your health. Others of you are thinking about 
that terse conversation you had yesterday. And you're trying to figure out whether there was more to it than what you think. You're worried. You're troubled. That doesn't even get to watching the news last night, yesterday. Thinking about all the things going on in the world. Worried about the economy. Worried about this. Worried about the life your grandchildren are going to live. Worried about that. Struggling with these things. Pondering the darkness. Here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you'll turn your eyes from the dim darkness of this world and take a few moments, even just a few moments today, to get a full glimpse of the glory of God. I I hope your heart and your attention will be drawn. Now, that's not to say God doesn't care about your troubles. He cares deeply, but the precious remedy you have for your troubles right now, the thing that you could experience that would take your heart from troubled and anxious to relieved is to look at God. To take a glimpse of God. To see the greatness and the glory and the grandeur of God. To say, I serve a God whose very nature confuses me. Leaves my abilities wanting. You see, we as human beings can figure so many things out. We're so good at figuring everything out. You could go find textbooks and articles on the internet right now about science and about the warp and woof of the universe and the way things are and the way things will be and all these things. And you could have your mind absolutely blown by what human beings have figured out. And yet the most simple things we learn in Sunday school, though understandable at some level, are still ultimately beyond our grasp. Because God is glorious. God is great. God is magnificent. That's not to say we can't know Him. No, we know Him personally. But there's so much more we can know about Him. I hope you will get a glimpse of the glory of the triune God. Be stunned by His glory. Be reminded afresh this Christmas season of the greatness and grandeur of the God we call Father beautiful thing it is second of all not only do i hope you'll be stunned by the glory of god but second of all i hope you'll be grateful for the life-giving power of christ the life-giving power of christ in one of his epistles the apostle peter talks about the fact that god upholds the universe christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. And here in John's gospel, John is alluding to the fact that it was through the Son. The Son was the agent by which God made the world. Listen to what the Bible says. Beginning of verse 3. All things were made through him. That's the positive statement. In other words, there's nothing that was made that was not made through Christ. He says it simply. All things were made through him. All things. Now, some of you might be this kind of person. I won't start naming names. But you might be the kind of person who says, well, now, what do you mean by everything? Anybody in here like that? I'm, not, I'm just going to look straight ahead. <laughs> surely, surely you can't mean everything. I mean, when you say everything, you mean everything? 
And, and, and throughout history, when people have tried to understand not only what it means for God to be three in one, but at the same time that the mysteries deepen at Christmas, not only do we see here in the advent of Jesus a deeper revelation of the fact that God is three in one, but we also have another mystery that we have to start to deal with, and that is how can Jesus Christ be both God and man? And so throughout human history, or throughout Christian history, I mean, People have wrestled with and struggled with what it means, not only for God to be three in one, but what it means for Jesus Christ to be fully God and fully man. Those same people. What do you mean by everything? Say, how can you be 100% of two things? And yet, John answers the question. What do you mean by everything? What he says is this. What he says is this. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He restates in verse 2 what he said in verse 1. And then in verse 3, all things were made through Him. That is through the Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. He answers the question. What do you mean by everything? That means that there's nothing that's been made that was not made through Him. There are folks who try to argue whole, whole sects of Christianity, or what claimed to be Christianity, that try to argue that the Son was the first and greatest of all created beings. You cannot square that with what John is saying here. Because if all things that were made were made through Him, that would mean He had to make Himself, and you can't make yourself. Creators can't create themselves, they simply are. Thus it is with God. All things were made through Him, stated positively. Everything in this world belongs to Jesus. And then stated negatively, without Him was not anything made that was made. There is nothing. There is nothing that exists. There are world, no worlds that exist out a billion miles from here, out into space. There are no creatures that exist. There's not a single angel that did not get His existence through the authority and the agency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything was made through Jesus. You see the way later in the book of Hebrews, the way he, the author of Hebrews is articulating this reality and trying to show and demonstrate Jesus isn't just another angel. Angels were made through him. He is greater in every way, in every respect than angels. Nothing was made that wasn't made through Jesus. And then notice what John says in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That is, in Jesus is the life-giving, creative power. When, whenever you're stunned by the fact this place exists, and I don't mean this church, I mean this world, do you ever just see something in creation or, I don't know, watch National Geographic or something or watch a documentary and you just think, man, what an amazing world this is. What, what beauty there is that God's given life to in this world. Everything you see, every time something in this world catches your breath, what you've really caught is a glimpse, a fingerprint, just a little mark of the maker of this world, our Lord Jesus Christ. The beauty of Christmas itself, the warmth and sweetness of the season, the fact that we can, despite we live in a dark world, still enjoy it at some level, is a picture of the beauty and grace and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's written into the warp and woof of the world He made. In Him was life. Jesus Christ gave us life. He 
breathed life into this world. He was the agent of creation, and his marks are all over it. It's precisely why. It's precisely why we value things as human beings that wouldn't make sense otherwise. Isn't it strange? You ever thought about this? Isn't it strange that you value sacrifice? It makes no sense in a world that wasn't made by God to value sacrifice. In fact, it's the opposite. If the world's the way that scientists, some scientists have described it, if the world's the way Darwin says it is, that means that sacrifice is literally the dumbest possible thing you can do. If life's about survival of the fittest, why would the fittest sacrifice themselves for others? Why would they do that? And on top of that, why wouldn't we all see it as crazy? It's because Jesus Christ made this world. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The beauty of the gospel is built into every inch of the fabric of the creation of God. That's why you value love. That's why you value those things. We are downstream from the benevolence and love of God. It's built into the warp and woof of creation. When we don't value it, it's because of sin. It's because of rebellion. It's because we've turned our back on God. Notice what he says. In him was life. In him was life-giving creative power. And the life, listen to this very carefully, and the life was the light of men. That is, at creation, the light we have in the world. What beauty there is, what sweetness there is. I, I say this regularly, but it's worth repeating. Nothing, nothing makes sense to the world to me like Christianity does. I'm not saying I've heard every single worldview, but I've heard several of them, and nothing makes sense of the world to me like Christianity does. Because I've heard lots of worldviews that make sense of why man can be so good. It's amazing, isn't it, what man can accomplish? You know, I'm just riding down Rainbow Drive, and they've repaved it. My mind is blown. I'm serious. Blows my mind. Some listen. Can't, somebody's saying something positive about Rainbow Drive right now. So bear, bear that in mind, everybody. Don't get on Facebook; it'll be ruined for you tomorrow. Here, here's the thing: I am baffled by the fact that human beings can do things like make roads. We've been doing it for. Th- everybody's like, "Hey, Pastor, what you been smoking, buddy? You know, so, take it easy, whatever." No, I mean seriously, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that we're capable of such amazing things. Sometimes I'll hear one of you talk about a surgery you're going to have. And I'll research that surgery and I'll think, you know what, that surgery a hundred years ago didn't exist. The, the survival rate for some things that some of you have lived decades past was 0% a hundred years ago. And you, that doesn't even get into you know, watching College Dame Day and crime because of some beautiful story that somebody tells on there or whatever else. Human beings are good in so many ways. There are lots of worldviews that make sense of that. But also, human beings can be terrible, can't they? Awful, unkind, mean. We, we, I, don't, I won't even go into it. It's Christmas. I won't even go into all the things you see on the news every week about the awful things that human beings are capable of. And there are lots of worldviews that make sense of why man is bad, but I don't know any that hold both together in tension the way Christianity does, that can simultaneously make sense of the goodness and greatness of man and the awfulness and depravity of man. 
Only Christianity makes sense of both. That you were created in God's image, therefore you are fundamentally, God said, good. In fact, very good when He made you. And yet now we recognize because of sin, we are fundamentally corrupted. And so the Christian worldview makes sense of the heights of man's highs and the lows of man's lows. This is the reality. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. That goodness and that beauty and that greatness of man is only because of the light of Christ that He has given to us at creation. The footprints, the thumbprints of Jesus are all over His world. All of creation is imprinted with the life of Christ. He is the light that fills our world. Whatever there is in this life, in this world, that is pure and lovely and beautiful, you can be sure it's a reflection, a glimmer of the light of Christ. Do you see it? you see the beauty of what Jesus has given us? I want you to be grateful for the life-giving power of Christ. But listen, this world belongs to Jesus It was made through Him and for Him, the Bible says. There's nothing here that doesn't belong to Christ. There's nothing here that was not made through Him. There is nothing that is made that was not made through Christ. And so things were not good, though, because of the fall. Because of what we had done to His world. And so it wasn't enough for Jesus simply to allow this general revelation or the image of God in man to stand as it was, tainted by the fall and tainted by sin. God chose to act decisively on our behalf by sending His Son into the world. The light shone in the darkness. That's our third point. I want you to be encouraged by the inexhaustible purity of Christ. Be encouraged by the inexhaustible purity of Christ. Listen to what the Bible says. The light shines in the darkness. Have you ever been in a dark room and you really needed light? There's no feeling like when you finally get it, is there? Groping around in the darkness trying to find the light switch or a flashlight or something. Struggling trying to figure this out and finally you get that light. It changes everything. The same is true in a dark world. Darkness can be overwhelming. Do you see what John says? In the beginning, in verse 1, he says, but then he says the light shines in the darkness. You remember what creation was like early on before God spoke light into existence? It was dark. The Bible says it was formless and void. And Jesus reordered that creation the first time to make it inhabitable for man as a theater for the glory of God. And here we see another picture of Jesus coming into a fallen world, much like God spoke in those earliest moments of history to bring order out of chaos. Here again, Jesus is coming into a dark world, and yet rather than speaking to the sun and the moon to produce light or to shine light, instead... Jesus Himself came and is the light, shining in the darkness. What a miracle. What a beautiful thing that Jesus came and is the light of the world. And when we had messed it up, when we had sullied that which He first gave us, He came again to make things right. What a beauty it is. But my friends, there's a miracle here. There's a miracle 
here. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now you think about this for a moment. The brightest shining lights in each of our lives are still somehow dimmed by the fall, are they not? You're so thankful for the grace of marriage. And yet, your marriage isn't always perfect, is it? Maybe yours is. Most aren't. The beauties of life. Thanksgiving, Christmas. And yet sometimes somebody's feelings get hurt, don't they? What would you do to this this year? Is it a little different? That's the end of Thanksgiving. <laughs> the brightest lights in our lives are still impacted by the fall, are they not? And even then, some of you maybe this Christmas are thinking about the way that sin has worked its way into your life and wrought havoc and destruction that you never could have imagined. Not just in the small things, but in the big things. The greatest glories in your life, the most beautiful reflections of Christ in your life you are looking at and you say they are in smoking shambles because of sin right now. Maybe your own, maybe someone else's, but nonetheless, it's a mess. There's nothing in this world that the darkness has not tainted. And yet Jesus Christ came into this world. He's perfectly pure. His life is the light of men and the light shone in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it the darkness has not overcome it Jesus came into a world of sin and sickness and misery and death and nobody has come into this world I, one thing I love about being a pastor is going to see babies in the hospital I love it it's one, I hate COVID for lots of reasons but baby visits is way up at near the top of the list I can't make baby visits. But I can remember holding my three little children when they're just so young and so innocent, still not even out of the hospital yet, and holding them and looking at them and thinking, what does this awful world hold for this precious baby? What a juxtaposition it is, right? The joy, the joy and the beauty of holding this tender and precious and innocent little child and thinking about the fact that one day, in some way, that little heart will be broken. Somehow, some way, the darkness will reach even this most precious baby. Isn't it amazing that the light of the world dawned on us in the first Christmas morning, a world ravaged by sin and misery and death, and unlike all of the rest of us, He is the only one who came through it victorious he touched it all you know eventually you give in to your temptation he never gave in to his what amazingness it is that jesus christ was never impacted by the darkness in a sinful way but instead went as deep down directly into the very belly of death down into sheol the lord jesus christ went and he emerged with the keys of life don't you see it? Don't you see what Jesus has done? Is it not stunning that Jesus could come into this world and not be overcome by the darkness? And my friends, I want you to know right now, 
Today, tomorrow, at some point, again, you are going to feel overwhelmed by the darkness of this world. And in that moment, I want you to remember that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has come into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. My friends, we don't just light a candle and call it hope for the fun of it. We light a candle because of the light of the world. And we say this is a day of hope because Jesus Christ is the light of men. And in a very dark world, that light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. How today do you look different than you thought you'd ever look because of the darkness in the world? How does your life look different than you thought it would ever look because of the darkness and sin in the world? How does the world look different than you thought it would ever look because of the darkness and sin in the world? How has the darkness of the world changed you? Be encouraged today that it has not ever, that it cannot ever, that it will not ever change Christ. The light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it never will. I want to offer an invitation to you this morning. If you've never met Jesus, the light of the world, for the first time, it would be my joy to talk with you and pray with you, even today, about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I'd love to introduce you to Him if you've never met Him before. After this prayer, I'd love for you to come. Second of all, you may be a believer. And you may need someone to talk to, some moments to pray. This altar is open for you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. What a joy it would be. What a joy it would be for me to talk to you about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I'd like to invite you to come. Let's pray together.